0: As with my last episode recorded in Chicago, we are dealing with a bit of noise in the background, which is the construction just taking place a block away from here and you might hear the L train again, but uh, today I'm sitting here with Mike Wheeler uh, who's been kind enough to come by and uh, have a conversation with me. Hi Mike.
1: Hey, how you doing Mike?
0: Good. So, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I read somewhere that your mom had a great influence in you getting to know the blues. Is that true?
1: Oh yes. When I was a little boy, she played amazing music. I mean, I was like four or five years old, and and I just knew that that was great music. It was, you know, Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, BB King, Albert King, and Little Milton, stuff like that. And we also would listen to um, soul music too. So.
0: Right, and soul music kind of in your in your repertoire, right? Right. Um, you were born in Chicago. Yes, <clears throat> born and raised in Southside. So, what, did, other than the fact that your mom played blues and and soul mm-hmm. music, tell me about your connection with the blues or Chicago blues as you were growing up.
1: Um, well, when, when I was younger, um, a lot of the um, the bands that I saw were playing um, were playing more R and B stuff, but as I got older. I, I ran into, you know, guys, younger guys my age that were on the blues scene, and that's really kind of how I got, you know, came back to the blues, you know, other than listening to it when I was a little boy, because when I was a teenager, most of the guys, they weren't playing blues at all, but as we, um, as I got into my early tw- um, 20s, that's when I got, um, I um, was more around it,
0: you right. know? Um, When did you start playing the guitar?
1: I started playing guitar, when I was thirteen.
0: What drew you to the guitar?
1: Um, the sound, the sound, man. um hearing Muddy Waters with the slide and Alba King and um
0: So it was still blues at that point at the age of thirteen?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but that was mostly when I was Young when years. I was younger. Right. When I was when I was hearing the guitar like that and but what actually drew me to the guitar wanted to play the guitar was Jimi Hendrix. Of course. But like that. Um um, this was around seventy four, so he had been dead for already four years. But I didn't, I didn't know anything about him at the time, and I was like thirteen. So, you uh, know, my neighbor gave me Jimi Hendrix smash hits, and then from there was uh, <laughs> that's, that's what I that's wanted who you wanted to be,
0: yeah. <laughs> and so you went through the rock phase. What drew you back into the blues?
1: Well, like I said, um, some of my friends that were the same age as me, they 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 got on the blues scene, right, and um. I, I think I did my first real blues gig in um 1980 at the uh, Delta Blues Fest down in Mississippi. I was with an uh, R&B singer, a soul singer. it guy named Andre Chantel and um we were um the um Coco Teller was on the show. Right. And um the guys I was with and she, she was talking to us, and, you know, she, she liked us cuz we were young. And she was talking like she wanted to get us to be in her band, you know, to be a band or whatever. But you know, we got back to Chicago, we didn't, and nothing um, materialized out of it. But then maybe like three years later, I met um, I met Lovey Lee, keep on piano player with um, Muddy Waters, his last piano player. Right. And I did some shows and stuff with him, and then after that, it was it was all blues. Were you hooked? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, cause you know I I like the aspect of it. Um, I like the prominence of the guitars in blues as opposed to, you know, R and B and soul. You know, mostly soul music is, you know, guitars are they're, they're prominent in it, but there's, it's mostly to just accompany the singer as opposed to with blues. You know, the singer is usually the guitar player too. So you know, right. in, in most in most um, you know, um bands or whatever. But yeah, I, um. I've always been a fan, of especially Albert King. I liked him the most. I think out of not love them. And, I, of course, I love B.B. But um, it's just all of them. It's just, especially the Chicago thing, you know. But So West how
0: connection. important was that connection? So when you, you come up and you, you get into, slowly get into the blues scene in Chicago, how important is the history of that scene? Oh,
1: very much so. Because, you know, I, I didn't get, I got in right after, um, right after Muddy Waters has passed, so I never got a chance to see him and, you know, Howlin' Wolf had that, you know, maybe six or seven years before him, but, um, the guys that I met after that were guys that played with those guys, and, you know, right. and, um, Buddy Guy, Junior Wells, and, and um, just being around oldest Rush, you know, cats like that, and then, um... It was just amazing, you know, just knowing how how many people they influenced, mm-hmm. you know, and then to be able to just to watch them, you know, just like when I watch Buddy Guy today, it's still, I still get the same feeling that I got back in the '80s when I saw him, you know.
0: Can, just, can you tell me what you can take away from watching people like Otis Rush or Buddy Guy?
1: Well, mm, mostly the, the the professionalism of it, and and. and and the fact that, you know, you can you can hear them and see them and, and know that they mean what they're doing, you know. They ain't just, they're not just going through the motions and doing it just, you know, to make money or whatever. It's just because they were doing it when they weren't hardly making any money. So, you know, it's just knowing that they enjoy their job. And it, it's, I feel the same
0: way. Right. And then, so you started getting into the scene being a, um, a band member or sideman, correct? so it's, Yes. And, and so, tell me about the phases of how that came about, and and who you played with.
1: Okay. Um, well, really getting out, of his working co- consistently playing the blues. I'm um, my friend. His name, he's a drummer. His name is Vern Stix Taylor. So he was um, working at this blues club not far from where I lived, where I lived at the time, and he was. They were playing every Sunday night, and I was working a day job, and so. He told me, to, uh, he said, Mike, you ought to come down and um, sit in. I'm quite sure I can get you in the band. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to do it because I know I, I was working, you know, working a job or whatever. But he eventually talked me into coming down there and doing it. And um, I started working every Sunday night down there. It was a singer named Lonnie Larry. So after that, um, after that, we just, we, we stopped, we were, a place is called Halloway's Halloway. We were every Sunday. Then, um. A little bit after that, I met uh, Nellie tiger Travis. she's a, um, a, a vocalist, and she had just got to Chicago, and then we started playing at this place every Thursday night called Buckwheats. And then, you know, from there, I just started meeting people, and um, let me see, I uh, um, joined this bass player named Joan Baby. She lives in California now, but uh, she's a bass player, and um, I got in her band, and that's that's when I really started playing on the north side of places like Lily's, and just... Just start meeting people and getting gigs and, you know, people liking what I'm doing. And
0: Can you talk about, you just talk about the north side. Can you tell me about the differences? Because often people talk about west side, the south side, the north side. Um, as from your perspective, is there a difference between the different regions?
1: Oh, yeah, there's definitely a difference. Um The south side is more... It's more it's more soul blues. I put it like that. It's a, it's a whole different feel, you know. You would you would hear some Muddy Water stuff, but mostly you would hear like Johnny Taylor and mm-hmm. Little Milton and and uh, guys like that. A lot of more. But then on the north side, you know, you you would play more Muddy Water stuff and Otis Rush and Junior Wells type of stuff, and then the the audience would be different, you know. The north side would mostly have, you know, more tourists and stuff. The south side would more would have more people that lived in that area, you know, around that way. And it, you know, it was the south side was a learning ground for me because you know the the audience is more tough that that way. You had to you had to be good to, to make them clap, you know, and you know it it, it made you work harder.
0: And would I be, would I be correct to say that the south side would have been more of a black audience? Yes. Yes. And is that a difference from from your perspective playing to a black audience versus a white audience?
1: Oh yeah, it's definitely different. like I said um, with black audiences if you if you're not bringing it they're going to let you know. You know, the the mixed audience or the white audience they they they'd probably be more kind, you know. Yeah. But black ones they be like you know <laughs> it'd be like the a show talent at Apollo where they boo you, you know. <laughs> it's definitely a difference.
0: So, But you always, does one usually start on the south side and work their way up? or Yeah,
1: you know, you know the thing is not is to try to not get stuck, you know, either place. You know, you start off on the south side, you know, because that's where you live. You work your way to the north side, and then you try to work your way, you know, out of the city to right, around right. the country and then overseas, you know.
0: When did that happen? When did getting out of the city be, happen for you?
1: This, getting out of the what?
0: Getting out of Chicago, like to other regions
1: well um really um when I was playing with big jazzzz in Chicago Playboys, so I was with him for like thirteen years and we did a lot of traveling I did my first um um overseas gig with him in Switzerland so that was that was like the um the start of me really branching out more now now with my band now um we're 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 trying to do more more. You no, know, I mean we go over to Europe and stuff. we try trying to do more stuff in the states because right now we're like almost working every night in the, in the city, so it's kind of hard to, to get away and mix, you know, mix the two together. But
0: so I wonder, and I've wondered about this often, and I've asked the other musicians about it. But okay, so you you work in Chicago and you're busy playing all over the city, mm-hmm. which is great, but you know that you want to expand and grow your audience, but you also know that when you leave it, there's more costs associated to it yeah. and it can be expensive and you can lose money still gaining audience but it might be right. so how difficult is that choice to make?
1: Well it's a give and take I mean you you eventually have to do it you know because you can't keep waiting for the people to come to you you know because a lot of people come to Chicago they see you at these clubs but like I was just in, in Europe and most of the places I was playing people would come out because they saw me here in Chicago and they would bring their friends and you know but at the same time, while I was over there, I think about it, I could have made that same money here, you know. Right. But, you know, you gotta you gotta branch out. Of, you, know, if, if this kinda, you know, if this is kind of you know if this what you gonna do for your living, you gotta you gotta travel.
0: Now, initially, when you were playing with other people, you were still working full time, or are you working? Were you, at what point did you become a full time musician?
1: Um, eight years ago, I retired from my job.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so was it difficult to? balance the two together while you're working and trying to establish a musical career?
1: No, it wasn't, because I would work at night, you know, gig at night, go home sleep about three hours, get up, go to work, come back home, sleep for about three hours, go, you know, it was just... (laughs) But, and and I was lucky, I was fortunate I had a a job where, you know, whenever I needed to go out of town, they didn't give me any problems. Now I would always save my vacation time for, you know, for doing shows. It wouldn't be you know me and my wife go do go take a two week vacation. I would save all my vacation time for going out of town playing gigs. And um, I had cool bosses and they you know they understood what I was trying to do and then they they helped me. So. Did
0: you ever think about quitting the day job to concentrate fully on the night job or the music, or does that seem impractical to you?
1: Well, you know what when um. When I really got established playing music, I was too far ahead in my job to just quit because I was close. You know, I, I had like 10 more years to work, you know, so I was like, I might well finish this out. And it, it never became a conflict, so.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah. So you started your own band in 2001, right? Okay. How difficult was that after many years of playing with other people and, and having that role? Like, what made you decide that you wanted to start the Mike Wheeler Band?
1: Well, actually, um there was a bass player that I knew at the time. Uh, his name was Sam Green where he passed away a couple of years ago, but he was the one that um that told me I should have my own band. you know he said, man you for what you' doing you need to have your own band too. And then so when I started my band, I was still with Big Jan Chicago Playboy and still was playing with everybody else too. but in um maybe about I'd say about eight, ten years ago, I decided I was just gonna focus on doing my band. You know, and and I played with so many different people, but um,
0: when when your friend said, "Hey, you should be doing your own band," did you? How did you receive that news? Did you did you think, "Yeah, he's right, I should be," or did you think, "Eh, "I'm not sure about this"?
1: No, actually, I had been thinking about it, but yeah, he he had a valid point because I mean, I would open shows for people and sing two songs, you know, sometimes one, you know, and then but I I always know a lot of songs, so it just. It seemed like a natural, natural progression to me to you know to give you know a lot of times people stay in the background because they they're insecure what they're doing you know they, you know they're not they're not sure, but and you know when he told me that it kind of reassured me that yeah that's that is what I should be doing.
0: But it's not it's not more than sorry it's more than just doing more songs. It's also becoming the band leader and also. Putting up with all the crap and yeah. doing a lot of work was that an easy thing to, to acquire and, and and to get get used to.
1: Well, you know what, it's it's still something that you you know I you, know, you probably never really get used to it because there's always something new coming up. But at some point you got to do it. I mean, if you want to express you know your thoughts and your your music, you got you got to take all the good and the bad that comes with it. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, they're dealing with the band members, dealing with the club owners, dealing with the audience. So,
0: <laughs> but I, th- I thought I read that your band, that your band members have been together since the very beginning. Yes, yeah. the original band members,
1: except for the bass player. Now, um, the guy okay. Sam Green, the one I told you right. that had passed away, he, uh, he was in a, a, a motorcycle accident. Yes. So that's how we ended up getting Larry Williams on the bass. But uh, you know,
0: how did that affect you and your band?
1: Yeah, it was rough at that time because, like I said, he was the one that came up with the ideas, you know, for me to even start the band. But it, you know, it was rough. But I knew that we had to keep going, and and um, I my bassist that played I me mean, now, Larry, Larry Williams, I've been knowing him for years, you know. So it was, it kind of, we didn't miss a beat, you know. It was just, it was sad that that happened to Sam, but you know, we just kept going.
0: That's pretty impressive that you've been able to maintain the same band members. It's like 17 years
1: with them putting up with me and me putting up with them
0: yeah <laughs> I mean it's, which is worse no.
1: but you know what um, with me I try to uh, I was a man for years so I know how I, I wanted people to treat me so that's how I treat them right. you know I mean you know like I tell people all the time if you, you get a decent payday if it's good for you make it good for your band too you know if somebody give me if, a, if I'm doing a show they give me extra money I'm gonna get a band extra money you know I've always put myself in their shoes and know that they have families and they have things they want to do also. So,
0: But it can't be easy to maintain a band for that long. No,
1: nah, it's not. You know, it's, it's Sometimes it gets frustrating, but somebody got to do it. <laughs> you know, that's how I look at it. <laughs>
0: but, but, I mean, a lot of bands don't stick together, you know, and they have other players all the time. So that's pretty impressive. Well, the thing with us,
1: we, we enjoy playing together. I mean, and we get a sound together that... I know I couldn't get with 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 three different guys, you know. And I'm right. like when I went overseas, those guys they played good, they learned the material, but it's nothing like playing with the guys that helped write it, you know, that helped record it. So.
0: And I guess that would be the goal is that, that at one point or another you'll be traveling to Europe with your band. As opposed
1: oh to. yeah, oh yeah. No, this is this is the only time I went without my band. Oh okay, it's not. But um, normally they would go. But you know, I try to. The, the, um, Keep them in on, on everything, but like last year, I didn't get any offers at all to come to Europe, and so the first offer I got this year was to come play with another band, so I said, well, shoot, I gotta go do something, you know, to keep my name going on right. over there. But now, we're going back in November uh, for a month to do the Chicago Blues tour in France and Belgium, so...
0: So tell me about the Chicago Blues. Tell me about what that means to you personally, and and, and now you're, you're a big part of it. Tell me that legacy and and how, what it means to you to be part of that.
1: Well, it means a lot to me, you know. I mean, I mean, far as Chicago blues. I mean, ain't no, nobody's gonna be bigger than Muddy Wars, Howlin' Wolf, and Buddy Guy and Junior Wells. Those guys, you know. You only thing you can do is add to it. But right. those, I mean, those are the guys that's, you know, they at the top, and you know, it's it's an honor. It's an honor, you know. Just just people. Listening to the music and coming to see me, is, I mean, it, it never was my quest to be famous or anything like that. It's just, I was going to play music whether I was making money or playing for, in my house and for my family. You know, I was going to be playing music anyway. But, man, it's it's honor, it's honor for people to even acknowledge me and know who I am. So.
0: so if you have that mindset that you would be playing music either way, how do you make sure... Well, how do you work towards making money and making sure that you can continue to sustain this career? Like, what kind of things do you do to ensure that?
1: Well, you know, the main thing out here is knowing your value. And, and, you know, a lot of people get get caught up on who's better than who. My whole thing with me is is to be the best that I can be, you know, because I run into good players all the time. And... It's like when I was learning I I would hang around people that would that I knew were good and learn from them and they go teach you know people that that I could teach you know but the main thing is to me is to stay humble and just know that um, you know it's a, it's a privilege to even be playing music cuz the average person can't do it you can't just grab a guitar or just start singing a song you know so it was just to stay humble and and, and keep a level head
0: Okay, so this might not be a fair question because you just gave that answer. But at what point did you think you were good?
1: Well, I thought I was good when I was a teenager. Yeah. Because okay. I tell you like this: when I first when I first grabbed a guitar, well, I'm gonna go back to when I was when I was a little boy and my mother was playing those songs. Something. something told me then that I could do that. So when I when I got to, uh, like 13, when when I first started playing, my my brother he was he had a guitar. And he was taking lessons. He would come on. He played what he what he played, you know, what the teacher taught him. And I would listen. I was like, that was sound right. <laughs> he go, oh, you think you you could do better? I said, yeah, I can do better than that. And he ended up giving me his guitar. And I I taught myself. I bought books. I taught myself. But you know, I saw the progression. You know, but it, it was all about knowing that that's what I wanted to do. It was the determination in it. You know, you can want to do something, but if you don't put the work in, it's not going it's not gonna happen.
0: Was there ever a point where you doubted yourself?
1: Nah, nah, I, I didn't doubt myself, but uh, it was a point where I wanted to be better than I was. You know, I was, you know, but I think all musicians should want to be better. You know, even right now, I still want to be better than I am now, but no, nah, I never doubted.
0: On the flip side, tell me, was there a point where you learned something or you did something on the guitar and you thought, wow, like it was just a a, a sea change for you.
1: Hmm. No, nah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. You know, when I when I was learning songs back in teenage my teenage years, I you know it would be a song that, that I would try to learn and I couldn't get it, but I would stay there and keep messing with it until it finally comes. So yeah, yeah. But you know, a- any
0: song that comes to mind that was really special that that was The turning point as far as your guitar playing was concerned?
1: Hmm. Let me see. It wouldn't be a blues song. I, uh, no, it doesn't have to be. Because when I was a teenager, I was I was big in the. In, I love Led Zeppelin. I love Jimmy Page. So it was. Um, my favorite album by the was the Physical Graffiti album. And it's a song on there. It. It's my favorite song called Ten Years Gone. Right. And I remember one New Year's Eve, I'll. I just set out, and said, I'm going to learn this song, I'm going to learn it, and I'm not going to stop until I learned it. And I finally learned it, you know, learned all the, the different parts. But I think, you know, I mean, I, I like the guys from England because, you know, they were versatile with this stuff. They can play the rock, they can play the blues, they would play folk stuff, you know, and, that, and that's how i always been. I listened to a variety of music, you know, and just, I knew as a guitar player you had to learn all different styles. You know, you didn't just want to be playing one style
0: and and that's the kind of show you bring to the, the table too right cuz yes. it's not just simple blues you I mean I shouldn't say simple blues but it's not just blues you you put in funk and you yeah. have some jazz elements and whatever right
1: I'm trying to play everything I mean I play everything that I like
0: and, and so does that cuz I often wonder does that work for you or against you cuz sometimes people want to put people in cylinders
1: well mostly mostly we'll working broken these clubs in it works for me but you are always gonna have one or two people that went, oh, that ain't blues, you know. They want to hear, they want to hear blues all night, and that to tell you the truth, that don't they just don't work here in Chicago in the clubs anymore because you you got younger people in there. If you play, you play a shuffle, then you play a slow blues, then you play a lump, then you play a, a, another shuffle. You know, at about three or four of them, they start sounding the same, you know. Right. So. I think that's what's worked to my advantage so far is that I've been versatile, and when I'm playing, I read the crowd. I, you know, while I'm playing one song, I'm looking around to see what I should play next and to move this crowd. You know, and nine times out of ten, it works.
0: Okay, so my, often musicians tell me that. How do you get that sense? Is it just from years of playing? Like, how do you read the audience? How do you know which way to go next?
1: Mm, I think it's. I think it's from being a music lover myself, because I mean I I can be playing like maybe a a funky like song, and I can look at a couple of people in the audience and they look, and I'm looking like I said, down. I bet right now they want to hear some Chicago blues. Right after that, I come with Chicago blues. You know, so I think I think it's just a a, a natural thing for for me myself because I mean I'm a music lover and I. I've been I've been pretty good with re-, re audience and figuring out what to play. And then, you know, and some you know, you got some crowds that's just listening crowds and you got some crowds that's dancing crowds. So for the listening crowds, you really got to be playing something, you know.
0: So your approach to playing music would it be any different if you're in Europe or if you're in California or is it basically it's different every night anyways?
1: Well, it's definitely different in Europe because the, most of those crowds are, are all listening crowds, you know. And then, you know, they'll sit and they look at you like this. You might think that they don't like what you're doing, but as soon as you finish, they, you know. <laughs> but they just, they, they want to hear everything. And I don't know, the rest of the, the states of the Stasis the states is, it varies because, you know, you got some places, from the first song, they're going to get up and they're going to start dancing. And, you know, you just... Go with it.
0: So, let me ask you about growing your audience. You say you're busy in Chicago, and but you want to go to other areas and other regions. How do you do that?
1: Well, well, I got basically I got to uh, find a booking agent because I, I've mostly been booking the stuff myself. Oh, really? And had a couple of you know, couple of booking agents that would help with you know various things, but not not have that one booking agent that can put you. In the in the various places that you need to be in all the, all the festivals and stuff because that's what I want to do start doing more festivals and stuff and that was that was a good thing about playing Europe just past um um on all the shows I was doing all my songs you know and they and, and getting a good response so I want to do more festivals Because, you know, in the club a lot of times in the club people want to hear songs that they heard before you get you mix your songs in with that but they want to hear. Sweet Home Chicago, stuff like that, you know.
0: And how do you do that? Like, you know, you were telling me about touring in Europe, and you are also telling me about being on the blues cruise. But how do you now expand to doing other festivals?
1: Get that booking agent, you know. But it's the thing about it is, like what I'm saying, I need all other bands needed too. So the booking agents, they more or less, like, you know, they picking and choosing. So. And if you don't have anybody that uh, inside way in, you know, you're pretty much on the outside until you can do better, you know.
0: So one of the things that I've heard about you uh, from my interview with Toronzo a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, and also today when I was talking to Dick Sherman, was that you're quite well respected in the Chicago blues scene. And they both kind of explained to me that you're like the go-to guy for the young players. That if they have any questions about the business, that they go to you. Um, Toronzo, I think, said when he first came into the scene, you just kind of took him under your wings and you became good friends with him, and he could always ask you questions. Where does that come from?
1: Well, like I said, um, even like we're dealing with the band members, I try to treat people the way I want people to treat me. You know, that's what I needed when I was trying to get established. Was you know somebody. You know that that would give you con- constructive criticism. No, we not even criticism; just help you. You know, you know when asked, but most of most of the young guys, they know I'm gonna tell them the truth. You know, they would, they would you know, they ask me, you know, how should I deal with this or deal with that, and I tell them from what I've been through. You know, but I I, I like to help people. You know, I figure that's what you you put on the earth to do: to help. You know, help other people, and people help you. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Was there somebody like that when you were coming up?
1: Mm. No, I didn't really have that. No, because, uh, like I said, my brother he 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 wasn't into the music, and then. Um,
0: Sorry, I meant like blues musicians who you kind of looked up to, who you could go for advice.
1: No, no, I was mostly. Um, I mostly learned from them by watching, you know, and, and listening. But no, I didn't have anybody I can call and say, can you help me with this? No.
0: Right. So it's just the years of experience. Yeah. Is it frustrating being a blues musician in Chicago? Or is it, you know, you're following the footsteps of many great ones, but at the same time you have to establish yourself. And what is that role like?
1: Well, like I said, it's not frustrating for me because, man, I know i never, I never be like Buddy or or, or Hollywood or Muddy Waters and stuff, but... I I enjoy it. so it's it's fun you know it's it's good to be especially be a city like Chicago and you know all the clubs you know I'm working all the clubs they all treat me well and I'm working regularly so I can't ask for more than that.
0: <laughs> Are you working on any new stuff right now?
1: Yeah, we um actually we posted um we recorded a live CD I don't know when it's coming out or or, or what's going on with it but. And then I'm, 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 pro, I'm currently in the process of writing songs for, you know, another studio CD, so I don't know how soon the stuff will be out, if it'll be out this year, next year, or what.
0: Is that an easy process for you to write?
1: No, I'm, I'm not the um, everyday writer type, you know. I only write when I need to write. <laughs> you know, if I say, oh, we got a CD coming up, then I start writing like that.
0: But when that happens, is it easy for you to write? or do yeah, ideas it, it, kind
1: of, it kind of flows there. But I always keep notes in my phone. Like if, if a line comes to my head, or, or I hear a melody or something, I save it in my phone, you know. Right. And then I go back and revisit it, and then I write the song or whatever.
0: That's an easy thing to do.
1: Yeah, you know what? Well, actually, um, when they, when they made phones where you could record memos or stuff, that was the perfect thing, <laughs> you know. As opposed to walking around with a tape deck like we used to do back in the day. You know? right. <laughs> so yeah.
0: Well that's good. Um, Mike, I, I it's a real honor to meet you. Thank you so well, much thank for you, doing mate. this. So nice to meet you. So we is there anything to look for Does this live album is a possibility it's coming out soon or you don't Yeah,
1: um, I don't know. Like I said, we recorded it. I'll have to wait on Del Mark and see what they're gonna do. But either way we're gonna have some coming out soon. Either later this year or beginning of the next year, so.
0: And then you said you're going back to Europe in Yeah, in November. Well thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Nice meeting you.
1: Nice to meet you also.